Hey, I'm Rich. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to Clarity. And Clarity we discuss ideas and experiences that shape how we think and live. And today's episode, we have a special guest with us, right, Rich? Indeed. The great Dexter Richardson. Yes. Welcome, Dex. Glad to be here. So, Dex, tell us, who are you? Well, who am I? I'm a, I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm a, a father. I'm a husband. I'm a friend. I'm a student. I'm a pastor. I'm an inquisitive person. And I'm a person who enjoys engaging people and um, just going to, to new places and reading and all those kinds of things. I first met Dex um, at Carolina. It was one of the pastors. It was a family retreat, perhaps. You were telling me about your gluten-free options and how you weren't being treated properly. And then uh, the Mets came up and you harassed me the entire week. And I remember that very distinctly. <laughs> Who wouldn't? That's right. Yeah, the Mets have fallen on hard times. For sure. I mean, all of our superstars are just in ill health. It's not working. We have... I mean, Ahmed Rosario is proving promising. But you are exercising your faith and patience <laughs> and uh, and many, many things right there, Rich. Right. It's something, yeah. it's something about, uh, you know, the, the Mets and, the, you know, the New York Knicks. You know, they're like in the same basket, you know, lack of, <sighs> lack of management. You're, you're seriously right. Like, and not even Phil Jackson could resurrect us. No, right? not even Phil Jackson. <laughs> and you, you got to remember though, when Phil Jackson comes on the scene, he basically comes and takes a team that's almost already there. And uh, we're all waiting. Could he t come and take a team that's not there? So he couldn't do it. So he, you know, he did great with Chicago Bulls. He did great with the Los Angeles Lakers, but those were two pretty strong teams, but he could not resurrect the New York Knicks. Hmm. Not yet, but, um, or he couldn't do it. I have some hope. Everyone's, uh, Hey, hope, I've, hope is a good word. Hope's man. a good thing. I, yeah, it's a good thing. We got robbed in the draft lottery as everyone is aware. We're literally the bottom seed and we got the third pick. Zion Williamson should be a Nick, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, this could easily be a sports uh, episode, you know, it really could. Uh, but right now, the topic that we ask uh, Dex, and he's going to share a little bit about his background and 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 what is uh, he specialized and also his experiences, because clarity is about sharing where are you coming from, mm -hmm. who, where are you right now, and hopefully where you're going in the future. So the, the topic it, on itself is going to be around the ideas and the constructs of social justice. And social justice is a word used nowadays in different aspects, probably not only in 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 our communities and our churches and and everywhere. And there may be a different definition depending what you think. And right now we're going to talk about a little bit about that and how it relates to our lives. Cool. So Dex, what is if you were to define social justice for us, how would how would you define that? Well, when I think of social justice, I think of it as going out uh, and touching the community, uh, touching people's lives, uh, even inside the church. I mean, we, you can go out, but it should also be in. But social justice is really addressing issues where people in our society have been disadvantaged. 
Mm -hmm. And because they have been disadvantaged, there has to be social justice and uh, versus social injustice, right? So we have a lot of social injustice, but we need some social justice. And I believe that even looking at the Old Testament prophets or the New Testament, uh, we see that social justice is addressed because the prophets uh, spoke about the importance of caring for the widow and caring for the person who is the alien, the outsider, and caring for the disadvantaged. And of course, when Jesus came here, he addressed issues of social justice as well. Often when you mention that term, I find a lot of church people seem to be disturbed when you talk about the idea of social justice. Yes. But social justice is very real, and I believe as followers of Jesus, we are called to be participants in social justice wherever God has placed us. Mm. It's often a social justice. I mean, it's misunderstood and it's compared with politics or with things like that. And even, even so politics, we just talk, we just compare politics with politicians and, mm -hmm. and each of us have our opinions and we're really, some people are strong minded. I'm not that strong minded. I just came to this country five years ago and I noticed that it's an interesting mess, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> leaning towards two parties and stuff. Well, we're not going to talk about that, but sometimes uh, some, I'll, I'll give, I'll give the benefit of the doubt and say sometimes, but yes, I know what you mean. And, and what are you trying to say? Yeah. Always. Uh, there's but, benefit of the doubt and then there's denial. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will say this though, though, that at any time you talk about, I won't say anytime, I don't want to generalize too much, but I find that when you sometimes talk about social justice or social issues, I have found that some members immediately want to go to politics. Yes. You say something and all of a sudden it's, you're getting political. And, um, and, you know, when you talk about politics in the broad sense, probably everything is political in the mm. sense, right? We often label it as parties, but politics is really about people, right? Mm. It's about, mm. you know. Or it, it should be. Yeah, it, should it should be. be. It should be. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. And, when in church usually like there's two things that you don't talk when you are eating out in the table is politics and religion, you know. And do you do you agree with that, Rich? You're you're saying no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. it hurts me in my soul. Like I think the reason that has been said in the past is because people get too passionate. And I, I feel like I don't know, maybe this is a millennial thing, but at the same time, part of the reason we're having this conversation with the UDEX is, and I would want to have this conversation is because those are the things I like to talk about the most because I think they're some of the things that matter the most. And you seem like someone where when these things come up, whether it's a ministerial meeting for Eastern North Carolina or other pastors meetings, you're ready to talk about these things because they matter. And these are the people I gravitate towards. And, um, Maybe it's a millennial thing that why would we not talk about the most important thing in the room? There's people starving out there, right? I mean, I'm treating people subconsciously like second-class citizens. Shouldn't we talk about that? <laughs> like, so I just have a hard time because that's a very polite way to continue. This makes me think of the elephant thing. You, yeah, from Desmond Tutu, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, you're just perpetuating 
this social injustice, which is a particular designation for sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Show me any social injustice and tell me how that's not sin. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, I'm done. There's, there's a difference, I don't know, between what social justice is. And so I understand some uh, politicians are really quote unquote smart and they try to get in the bandwagon and try to use social justice, justice as an excuse or reason for people to actually gain favor towards people. Mm. And Nowadays in our church, also, we believe in community services. We believe in giving people food if they're hungry. But is that social justice? That is my question. Is that social justice? That's, that's, that's an interesting question, Ruben. I mean, I mean, in some ways, I'm glad that people are willing to do even that. I'm, I'm glad that they're willing to be involved in community, quote, community service. Uh, I think of community service, in my opinion, in a much broader way. But, but I'm appreciative of people who are attempting to do something, whether it's going to the church food pantry or it's going and doing a Ronald McDonald's on a Sunday morning cooking brunch. But I would hope that it would become a way of life so that our life is not so segmented where, mm-hmm. okay, we go and do the food pantry. But I, I would hope that we'd live in a sense of social justice, community service, engaged consciousness all the time, and we don't segment our lives. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a beginning, but it's only a beginning. It's, it's the beginning and also a little danger because you feel good when you're doing those things and you feel that, hey, I arrived there. I'm good. I'm doing my good deeds for the day or probably for the year if you put a lot of effort. And is it that what we're called? Is that the reason why we're called as a Christian? Does that, does that calling? That's an interesting question right there. Yeah. So it's deeper than just community service, than just acts, than just being part of Rotary or Dorcas or... So if it's more than that, really, what, what is real, what is really living for social justice for Jesus? Like, how can I live that way? Like, what does that mean? It's a vague question, but... It is a vague question. It is a vague question, but I think we have to live in awareness every day. I mean, I think that's what Jesus did. He was sensitive... Mm-hmm to the situations that he found himself in uh, on a regular basis. And I believe we need to be sensitive to what's going on around us all the time. You know, there's so many ways that we can be engaged with social justice, whether it's uh, posting on an Instagram, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, tweeting, whether it's speaking out when we see injustice. And I know it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that when we mm-hmm. see things going on. I mean, I've, I've taken heat. A few times from people when I have spoken out about certain things that aren't wrong, for example, when the um, uh, current administration was separating families, mm. uh, mothers and fathers from their children, and I spoke out about that one Sabbath, Saturday at church, and mm. some members got upset about it. But to me, uh, that is the right thing to do because our silent, by our silence, we become complicit. We become mm. participants yes. wow. in the things that are going on in our world. And I know that 
our church tends to have a tendency to try to play it safe, but I think that our early founders did not typically always operate in that vein, mm. and they spoke out against uh, issues of injustice, whether it was slavery, you know, whether it was the temperance movement, as it was mm -hmm. called at that time. So I think in some ways our church has lost the spirit of our early pioneers and we have become a safe church and we don't mm. want to rattle any boats or we don't want to disturb mm. anybody. We want everybody to feel safe sitting in their <coughs> pews. We want everybody to feel safe uh, wherever they are. And I think sometimes we have to say something. We can't just totally be silent because then people wonder, do we care? People who are not church people are saying, do these people have anything to say that's anything that's of any substance, uh, anything that's meaningful? And so often churches are known for wanting to save people in, the, in, in, the, in some time in the future. But what are we doing to bring salvation to people in the here and now? So I believe that we're called to engage on an ongoing and regular basis. There, there's a big... Uh debate right now uh there's people that actually are as you say denial you used that word a, f uh, a few minutes ago and the reality is they say hum well we just are done with uh slavery there's no racism anymore uh there is no discrimination we're we're just moving to it and 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 people try to deny this, and probably I'm not in the right position to say this because I'm in the minority. Uh, but people that are in, in not in the minority, they say this. Do you think they say this because they don't experience it, or they're not trying to be empathetic towards others' community? There's many reasons, and th that was always my question. That was always my question: Why do people still think? or they just try to silence people. There's no discrimination. There's no racism. There's no need for push pushing those uh, things. I think I'm the one that probably would just be... Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much that was, I was trying to... If, hint, we, can, if we can be clear <laughs> on something, um, I'm, the, I'm the quote-unquote Caucasian in the room. Um, there's a show that Dex actually turned me on to without meaning to called Bosch. It's a great detective show, crime show, and uh, there's reference in politics there that L.A. is a three-piece tuxedo, white, brown, and black, and we have the tux here, I guess. But um, <laughs> as this part of the tux, here's what I have to say. I was I was just talking about this with the Dex because I shared that I had not always been into or been aware of my white privilege, and that's something that I've been woken up to. And he asked me about that, like, well, what happened? And uh, in that intro, I shared how And I love my family. If anyone in my family is listening, I love you dearly and we're all imperfect. And I know I'm, I'm going to make mistakes, but in the home, conversations occurred which suggested that even though I grew up in New York, even though I grew up with Jackie Robinson as my favorite baseball player for the Brooklyn Dodgers, I grew up um, thinking I'm okay was a hero, that slavery was awful, that Lincoln was my favorite president because of what he, the amazing things he did that racism isn't a thing anymore and that we were taught that African-Americans, black people that complained and said racist things were happening and we're told Al, Al Sharpen was the example of, oh, he's claiming that these things are racist when they aren't and that's what black people want to do and don't let them do that. They're trying to take advantage. This is, I listen to this now and I'm cringing even saying it. 
Um, but yeah, and so I just was not aware that real things were happening. I was not aware of the idea that black people, black, wow, that, I said that real strange, um, African-Americans, people of color at all, would be treated differently than from police or by police, that um, I was not aware of the housing discrepancy. I just was not aware of the facts. Mm-hmm. And what if was, you're taught something from case? childhood, you are, yeah. your bias is you're going to tend to believe mom and dad instead of stranger Jim over here. Um, just plain and simple. And so I think that's how that happens a lot of the time, mm-hmm. to be honest. That's how it happened with me. So that's why I mm-hmm. say that, but that's my experience. I think that's how a lot of it comes in. And then if you have added in a politics thing of, I believe this country will be great again if we can stop spending so much on this and start spend and saving taxes, right? And so if I believe that, and I think people are just, it's not a race thing. They're just trying, there are people who are trying to serve their agenda and are in the way of that. I'm going to add disbelief in there as perpetuation. So I think the politics is, are intertangled for sure. Mm. Um, mm. But they don't need to be. And I believe. So you're saying that there are many factors there. That was your experience, but I tend to be more conservative politically still in some regards, but socially I've, I've been awakened in a lot of ways where to be a Christian, I can't accept things that happen. Mm -hmm. You don't need to give up your politics to follow Christ's call to social justice. I was, I was going to ask that to the ex because there's some people that also believe that social justice it's not compatible with the gospel. Gospel is about salvation and okay, the world is so messed up right now, but Jesus is coming soon. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what's going on now. Let's preach. Let's say that Jesus saves you. And this world is an era. You're going to live 70, 80, 90 years. So it doesn't matter. Jesus is coming soon. Mm-hmm. Social justice. Let's do away with it. Let's preach about salvation. Is there uh, is there a way that we can separate social justice and the gospel? And I know there's a lot to talk about there. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, oftentimes we try to talk just about salvation. We try to talk about religion. Uh, and we try to compartmentalize those things. But I don't think that we can. I mean, I think oftentimes when we think about what Jesus did, he was doing an act of salvation when he encountered the person who was the leper, right? Or when he uh, fed uh, the disciples ate when it was on the Sabbath, or when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, because salvation is not just saving somebody from their sins, but it's also helping people to have the experience of uh, of eternal life in the here and now. And oftentimes we talk about eternal life as if it's in the far distant, but I believe eternal life is a quality of life that God wants to give people now. And so that's why Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath, because he was showing that he is a God of eternal life, he is a God of redemption. And he is a God of healing, and people need all of those things in the here and now, uh, not just in some future day. I mean, I think it's nice that we 
preach the message of Christ's second coming. I believe it's important for us to preach the message of Christ's righteousness and that he redeems us and saves us from our sin. But we also have to have a message for now. And Jesus did that. When Jesus healed people, he didn't say, wait till I come back a second time. Mm. Jesus said, I am going to heal you right now. And he would heal the man who was born blind. He would heal the man who was a paralytic. He would heal the man who was a leper. He would heal the woman who had an issue of blood. Jesus didn't say, let me come back when the Sabbath is over. He said, I'm going to heal you right now. And I believe that we're called right now to be accountable for where people are in this world. We're called to be God's ambassadors. We're called to be his people who bring justice. We're called to be his people who bring equity into the world. Mm-hmm. So to me, there is not a separation. To me, they work hand in hand like fist and glove. Mm. So here we are. We're Christians. And there's this word social justice. What, if Is that the, the best word to describe the, the glove that goes around the hand of the gospel and makes a difference in the world today? Should we use a different word to not offend or to, to well, better win? Well, what do you we, think? We could use the word equity. Mm. We could use the word equity. Equity is another word for fairness. Equity is another word for justice. And it recognizes that everybody is not in the exact same place in life. You know, you hear some people use this philosophy. Basically, I did it. They should do it. Yes. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. bootstraps. They should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. But suppose they don't have bootstraps. Suppose they don't have boots. Suppose they are disadvantaged in the society. I believe that equity calls us to recognize that there is unfairness in society and that we are called as followers of Jesus to bring fairness. So that's, I would use the word equity if people are uncomfortable with social justice. And even if you are bothered, you need to ask yourself why you're bothered by yes. it. You need to be aware, hey, yes. this word offends me, but why? <laughs> because some people are offended by this word because that's how their parents told them, or that's how they were listening in the news and Nowadays, we know about the news and we need to realize ourselves. Why is this bothering me? For better or for worse, we all have our previous experiences that when they clash with something right now, in my case, I came to this country five years ago in a blank slate. I didn't know what the the Democrat or Republican was. I didn't know what the right and left was. My country is a whole mess of corruption. (laughs) And that's a whole different story. But coming here was really interesting for people to polarize things. And there's some words that are reserved to certain uh, political parties. And when you use the word, some people evoke those uh, either hatred or, hey, I'm for this. And... I really like, Rich, this in Dex when you say, we better use another word, but the concept is what we need to do. Right, yeah. right. And, and there's, a, there's, there's, there's been some stuff written about that uh, in terms of the language that we use, that in order for us to be able to accomplish our, the, the goals that we want to accomplish, that we need to be aware of the language that we're using. 
we need to use we need to be aware of the words that we are putting out there and perhaps we need to use words that are less charged because you're right some people if you use certain words it raises an emotional you know reaction in them and so I think it would be okay for us to say, let's find the right words so that we can have a discussion. Because when it's all said and done, I believe that most people want what's best for all human beings. I, I, I actually believe that. Hmm. Wow. So I'd like to, to spice it up a bit because, I mean, we haven't been controversial yet. What are some issues facing our world um, perhaps even inside the church, where you feel like we need to bring in more justice. That we, if we're if we're really going to put on this glove that should be around the hand of the gospel, we're going to talk about work against, work for. What are some examples? I think I think see us empower young people more uh, in our church. Uh, I would like to see the leadership of our ch- church, our denomination. To be led by younger people who are balanced, uh, who not necessarily lean to the left or to the right, but Mm. people who have uh, the interest of the church in mind, but who come with a vision. I I feel like we need some new wineskins, and um, Mm. I would like to see some new wine being poured in new wineskins. I think that we've gotten into the pattern. Uh, for the most part, and it's not for everybody. I can't say this about everybody, but I would like to see us uh, bring in some new wine skins and some new wine, some fresh ways of thinking about things, such as you know, uh, not just young people, but women in our church and mm-hmm. women's ordination, which has been a challenge uh, for our particular community of faith. And once again, I used a term earlier, and one of the terms I would bring to the discussion is a discussion about equity as it revolves around women's ordination and, and fairness and, and justice and uh, making people whole. Uh, so hmm. I think that's a, dis- a discussion that we, we need to have. Uh, sometimes I'm embarrassed when I go to other uh, uh, places where other denominations are meeting, and, and in these denominations, women are fully empowered uh, to engage in ministry, and often, oftentimes we say that people are fully, uh, that women are fully engaged and empowered in this church, but there's still something that is missing. And so, uh, I think that we really need to to think about it and not use uh, the Bible uh, to disenfranchise a certain segment of the the population. <laughs> okay, so. When we prompted, we're, we're talking about Dex, it's like, all right, so let's talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about. I had mentioned over text, oh, social justice, maybe women in ministry as well, because you and I, Dex, were starting to talk about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's delve more into that issue. How, are, how is there a lack of that? Let's explore the lack of equity for females in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, in ministry in general. And I think you can give us a good, you've you been pastoring in, the, in California. Right. 
and also here in right. where, here is North Carolina, the right. South. Right. Right. Of course, it was back in the day when you're yeah. in California, but yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah, it's true. It was back in the day when I was in California, uh, but uh, I, I, I think sometimes it's important for us to stop and 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 think about how we contextualize the gospel in the times in which we lived. I mean, sometimes we use the Bible in a way that really isn't true to what the message of the Bible is really trying to communicate. For example, <laughs> in Acts chapter 15, when you had the Jerusalem Council, yes. they came together to decide what would they require the Gentiles to have to do. And uh, basically, they were not uh, to engage in sexual immorality mm -hmm. and food sacrifice to idols. Mm -hmm. And but they didn't put all this other stuff from Judaism on them. And so the Bible is constantly being re-understood, re-analyzed, reinterpreted in the age in which people live. Hmm. And it's not a sterile document. Uh, it's not something that's, you know, that's boom, this is the way we all understood it. I mean, even if you read the Old Testament, you can see differences in way they talk about something that was in Deuteronomy mm -hmm. as compared to Exodus mm -hmm. and the understanding that they began to get mm -hmm. as they move forward. So I think sometimes it's dangerous when you try to attempt to use a document and just read it and say, oh, yeah, that's how we apply it. We're called to be thinkers. Mm. And uh, and that's 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 what we got to start doing. We got to start thinking and uh uh, I think that's extremely important, and I think that if we begin thinking as we read the Bible and we read the text, uh, I think it would make a huge difference. Yeah, and the word that you mentioned a, a few minutes ago was to be intentional, because the moment that you uh, stop being intentional, then you just repeat things. We as a church or people, or not even church, it's, it's a human thing, I guess. It's easy not to think. It's easy just to repeat whatever this or that person says. And sometimes we don't uh, try to struggle with those thoughts. And, well, that gets us in trouble sometimes and because we may be misrepresenting what we actually should be promoting. We're misrepresenting Christianity by repeating something without us actually going to the source or at least going to a point where we struggle with it. And let's be honest, we don't have all the answers. That's right. Mm -hmm. We don't have all the And that's all right. That's all right. Praise God, we don't have all the answers because when we don't have all the answers, then we can go to him and say, hey God, <laughs> we don't know all the answers. Right. But if I do... Thanks, God. I'll see you in heaven. I got this, right? Yeah. We don't need him anymore. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate you saying that, Ruben. I think it's hard for a church that is engaged in so much certainty to admit that they don't have all the answers. Yeah. We don't know it all. We don't understand it all. And so when you come at it from the perspective, we've got such, we got such certainty, then it's hard to be and live in honesty. It's hard to live in integrity mm. yeah. because people know, pastors know. Members who are, who are engaged know. And so it's hard for us to be able to speak honestly and openly because sometimes we're playing a game that yeah. lacks integrity. Oh, yeah. yeah. The appearance game? 
you could call it that rich. <laughs> so t- tell me more about this. Like this. So I hear you saying, Dex, that our vanity is a major tool in the hand of the devil to perpetuate social inequality in his church, in God's church. That's one way of putting it. That's huh. one way of putting it. And pride, yeah, more pride. than anything. Yeah. Uh, it was even the source of the problem in heaven. You know, if you put it in a biblical way, right? Like what Lucifer thought. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't need God. You know, right. and if you are not a Christian, you you need to see it. You don't need to see that far. Like pride along the history has been causing so much trouble and war and unhappiness among all human beings. Exactly. One of one of the other words I would use is the is the word humility. Mm. I think as Christians, we're called to live in humility. We're called to be humble. I mean, Jesus, the Creator of the world, the universes, the Savior of the world, uh, the friend of humanity, came here in humility. Philippians chapter two tells us that. You know, he did not take advantage of his divinity. But he humbled himself. And if the Savior of the world can humble himself, we are called to live in the spirit of Christ. Mm. So I believe we are also called to live in the spirit of humbleness and humility. Yeah. Now let's move this to a practical way, let's say, because this sounds amazing. uh, And you that are listening probably feel compelled to go and be an agent of restoration, of equality. Mm. Equity. How equity? How can you do right. that? How does that look like in a day-by-day situation? Right. Life. Right. Well, you said there was two words that were just said. One was equity. One was equality. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Right. Yeah. Equity is a matter of fairness and justice. Equality is treating everybody the same. Yeah. Uh, what we're often looking for is equity. You know, Jesus treated his disciples in different ways depending mm-hmm. upon their personality mm-hmm. to meet their various needs. And so we're called to try to bring fairness into this world. And to answer your question, Ruben, I, I think one of the ways that we can begin doing it is by engaging people who are in our communities who are often disenfranchised, to look down upon, who's treated as outsiders. It means speaking to the person that people typically don't speak to, whoever that person might be. Make it a habit of having a conversation. Making it a habit of, 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 of looking into people's eyes and acknowledging their presence like they are somebody, like they are a person, and not walking on the other side like on the road to the Good Samaritan, right? We want to be people who acknowledge that everyone has value. And I believe if we live in the context that everyone who has value, we will have opportunities to acknowledge everybody as our brothers and sisters on an on a ongoing basis. I mean, I think mm-hmm. intentionality is important. That was a word that was mentioned earlier. And as you say, it's go out to your community because right now we are three pastors, three ministers. We are 
ministering in different locations, different needs. So whatever your need is, Dex, whatever the the reality of people that are suffering social injustice, it's different than my reality. It's different than Rich's reality. So that is a really good advice. Just if you think that you need to do a food pantry in or if you think that you need to fight for uh, single mothers, whatever your reality is, you first need to go and start engaging with those people. Right. It, 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 it could even be in communities where there is a low literacy rate. Uh, I, I, I once worked as a salesman for ITT Technical Institute, mm-hmm. and uh, they offered 18-month certificates and 24-month certificates in computer-aided design and electronic electric engineering technology. And what I discovered working there, uh, there are a lot of people in the United States who are functionally illiterate. Wow. They cannot read. Some of them cannot write their names. And there are people, and and I'm I'm not talking about people who are from outside this country. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about people who were born here in America who are citizens of this country who don't have the basic necessities to be able to function, to fill out job applications, to fill out uh, school applications. And in in a community, especially if it's maybe low income, it might be going into that community and offering a literacy program or volunteering to, to teach somebody how to read because we know and this is a factual uh, fact that people who have low education, people who don't graduate from high school, these are the people that often fill many of our prisons. Mm-hmm. And when they go through these uh, prisons, they find that many of the people there did not graduate from high school. So there are all kinds of opportunities around us, whether there are people like this. Or maybe there are people who are well off and they need somebody to just be able to sit down and engage and talk with and have a friend. So when I'm talking about this and I'm talking about equity, I'm talking about fairness, I'm talking about social justice, it's, it's, we often think of the people who are the most marginalized, but there are also people because of their, maybe their, uh, elevated status in society who also need people to connect with them. And we need to find out how do we connect with those people as mm. well? Yes. So what we're talking about is a holistic picture that touches the lives of, of all people. Mm. Wow. Dex, thank you so much for being on. And, you know, this has been a journey for me and hearing the precision of your language here and your side of the story is helping me, and I appreciate you so much. Um, I want to encourage you to follow Dex on Twitter. What's your, what's your um, label it's, or tag? It's, it's at Dex27713. That's my handle on Twitter. Perfect. I've, I've started following you like a little while ago, and good stuff is on there. You're also starting a project. Is that right? You want to share a little bit about what you may be starting podcast wise oh yeah i'm hoping to get into my own podcast to uh, address the kinds of uh, issues that 
we need to be talking about in our society, that we need to be talking about in our church, and that we need to be thinking about growing beyond kind of um, uh, a basic Christianity. I mean, mm-hmm. I find that a lot of times people have been in the church for many years, but basically uh, their experience is very basic. It hasn't mm-hmm. grown beyond when they first joined the church. Wow. So I, I want to talk to people like that. I want to uh, talk about bringing reconciliation in this country because I believe we've needed more than ever now for people to come together because at the essence we all want the same things Mm -hmm. we may talk about how to get them in different ways Mm -hmm. but if we could really start listening to each other and find that we're stronger together Mm -hmm. than when we're separate and apart so I want to begin engaging um people in that kind of way and moving towards a community where we really care about each other mm-hmm. uh, because uh, God has called us to be to love everybody mm-hmm. no matter who they are and so mm-hmm. that's kind of in the, the direction that I am planning on my podcast uh, and going forward awesome mm-hmm. awesome well, hey we'll try to promote and keep people developed because I'm gonna follow that for oh, sure me too um hey you can follow us as well. Please connect with us at Twitter under at Clarity underscore podcast or Facebook, facefb.com forward slash Clarity Podcast. You can rate, review, and share your on your favorite podcatcher and social media outlet. Well, thank you for giving us the opportunity of being part of your life for this episode. Stay tuned. I'm Rich. I'm Ruben. And this was Clarity.